Welcome to A Writer in Italy, the podcast. I am your host, Michelle Johnston, and this is a little share in the world of travel, books, art, and lifestyle. I live in Australia, but have long had an attraction to the Mediterranean countries for as long as I can remember. This inspiration has fueled my creative life and given me incredible joy over the years as an artist and a writer. If you are new to the podcast, Season 1 is the bookshare in the shadow of a Cyprus, an Italian adventure, and then many, many other meanderings in books, art, and cooking, and indeed, the lure of Italy as the ultimate muse. You can find all show notes at michellejohnston.net. You can also find me on Instagram at a writer in Italy and at the yellow house underscore. Thank you for joining me. I love having you here for the journey of Muse Italia. Welcome to episode 30, Postcards from the French Riviera. Hello and welcome. I am at last sharing my little introduction to the southeastern corner of France, a little travel journey we made when we were free to do such a thing, a wild and deep thought that that is now. So it is with much joy to meditate upon the journey, writing things up, searching for details. Details that I may not have been so clear at the time certainly are now. The truth is you can take what you want from any given experience or travel adventure for that matter. I recently was on a little journey from home last month through the southern highlands of New South Wales over to the east coast where my brother lives on the Lake Illawarra. It was the perfect morning adventure, freezing at home as it is winter here in regional New South Wales, and on we went past Lake George over the green hills of the southern tablelands into the highlands. And while I was driving, well actually I wasn't driving, I was I was looking out the window. But while I was in the car, I was listening to the book by Tim Parks about travelling from Rome to Ravenna in the steppes of Garibaldi, his recent book. Garibaldi was the man that led the way to Italian unification, and I will leave that book title in the show notes. I was really enjoying his story and the travel journey that I was indeed making that morning. I made time that day to see my brother. Too bad I cannot now, as more COVID dramas have recently unravelled here in Australia. So we're in a bit of turmoil about things here and lockdowns are our reality, you could say. Well, for some parts anyway, particularly close to the cities like Sydney, for instance. So yes, ding ding, carpe diem. I often think that now when the opportunity is available to do things. So later in the book, he said, I quote, the present changes the past, end of quote. He was expressing this statement in the context of writing his travel memoir while living in a period of lockdown in Northern Italy. Certainly an unexpected turn of events early 2020 when we're all dealing with the shock of what had happened. So does the present change the past? Yes, yes, I think it does. 
Indeed, we have all learnt that to be true, perhaps, in the past year or so. If we are happy to muse, there is much to take from it all. In a way, I am glad I have made the time to honour this particular journey over the podcast, an unexpected turn in my own journey, I guess, because I think if I was too busy doing other things, well, sometimes I am, let's be honest, but I guess I wouldn't have looked deeper into any of it. Sometimes I don't know if it is wise to live in the past, but that is what a memoirist must do to get the words down. So that is okay. And I guess as time does pass, I may just find the sweet adventure of the future dreaming itself into being. One of the bittersweet parts of all of this is the hope and desire to do it all again. So here we go, regardless of what the present tense is. This is a fun way to remember the joy of traveling, the joys of traveling, I should say. This is a part history lesson and part personal journey from Liguria in Italy to Antibes in France. So enjoy. Somewhere down the coastal road on the French Riviera between Monaco and Cannes lies a little resort town called Antibes, a wonderful seaside location along the famous Côte d'Azur. Antibes is an ancient port city that marries the likes of old France and a touch of the new in present-day southeastern France. Once upon a time, a Greek settlement named Antipolis, around 500 BC or so, this area was discovered by the Phocians from nearby Greece, who had already set up house not too far away on the southern tip of Marseille, called Marsalia by the Phocians. The Phocians were an innovative bunch and took it upon themselves to make long voyages from the motherland of Greece to Marsalia on to explore and colonize the coastal lands of the Adriatic, the Tyrian Sea and Spain. And as you know, there are Greek ruins all over the place around the Mediterranean. The Greek name Antipolis suggested its opposing place. Indeed, across the Var estuary is Nice, known by the Phocians as Nicaea at the time. Antibes and Nice were facing each other across the Bay of Water, a protected century, and were the perfect landmark for a trading post. They were not at the time the only seafaring types to find this beautiful blue coast alluring. Before long, trouble came a-brewing from the Ligurian tribes up in what is now known as Italy. The ancient Ligurians would too leave their mark on ancient Antipolis and Nicaea. Always the sea will bring a flow of interest from nearby seafarers, explorers and naval powers over the coming centuries. The Phocians called on the Romans around 154 BC to help them out. Over time, the Romans would linger and pave their way around Antipolis, as evidenced by the Roman aqueducts, fortifications, amphitheatres and arenas that are left today in the area and up and down the Mediterranean basin of France, Italy and Spain. Today you can visit the Antibes Archaeology Museum that sits right on the edge of the sea. 
the perfect historic monument that houses artifacts from those centuries and beyond, dating back to Roman, Etruscan and Hellenic culture. Eventually, the Roman Empire would collapse under Pope Leo I's rule and the Frankish Empire would reign until sometime in the 9th century. By the 11th, Antibes would fall under the county of Provence and the kingdom of Burgundy. It wouldn't take too long before the Saracens from the Spanish side of the coast would plunder the area on a mission to, and on and on the unfolding years of culture, destiny and heritage would go. Indeed, there is still a lot more to this story. However, I am not exactly a historian by any means. I am a curious person and the world of the Mediterranean Sea and the colonies has always captured my interest. As luck would have it, Antibes is not too far from the Italian provinces of Genova, Pisa or San Remo if that is your thing. It is easy to catch a train to France from the Italian border at Ventimiglia and that's what we did on a winter's morning a little while back. Entering the train with the Provence Alps Côte d'Azur sign on the window, we embarked on the next chapter of the journey that began in Milan many days earlier. Sitting in clean upholstered seats, we sat and stared out the window at the sea and the resort towns that make up this coastal seascape on the Riviera. Such beauty it does not fail to delight. The Cote Azur literally means blue coast. Azur in French is blue and Cote, coast. The blue coast is definitely on the money. They say the sun will shine in this part of the world for approximately 300 days of the year. And this day we journey down the coast from Italy is no exception. The sea sparkles and invites and we are falling for its beauty under the bright blue sky. Late in the afternoon we arrive at the ochre coloured railway station of Antibes and disembark to walk a little while into the old part of town. We have organised a little Airbnb apartment and plan to meet our host at around 4pm. Walking from the station, I say to the girls, the three girls, well, there won't be any more gelato. Grace is quick to quip. Yeah, but now we can eat crepes and meringue. We all laugh. Yes, indeed we can. I am intensely excited about this place and love wandering past the quieter part of town beyond the station seeing local men in the afternoon sipping an aperitif outside the cafes and around the corner shops selling boat and shipping accessories. This will be interesting. We wait a little while on Riverbon for a meet and greet, yet don't realise our host is in the building and not out front. No problem, I'm admiring our new digs. The French architecture is perfect. Creamy yellow walls, duck egg blue and or white French shutters, signposts that say Antibes, Wallepin. On the corner, a bright yellow shop in my favourite Provencal yellow with the sign Poulet à la Flemme and pizza. Yes, pizza is the universal language. A sandwich bar selling chicken and pizza if in need of some delights. Across the street, I see a sign, Vendre. No need to translate for sale, I can tell. Hmm, something to contemplate over the coming days. Not too much time passes by and we enter the gorgeous little modern apartment that our clever host has styled. 
It is French chic and a perfect two-storey space for our little family to enjoy. We have four nights to stay and play before a journey to Bonu in the heart of Provence. The girls love the place. They will share a room. Three beds just fits. White duvets, white walls. We are downstairs near the dining room. I love the classic architecture. Gold, gilded mirrors, lime concrete floor, a modern touch, heavy beige and malt-coloured damask curtains. Old school, very nice. Old and new, stylish, chic, yes. This French tour is not going to disappoint. All of my aesthetic dreams will be honoured, fortified, realised. After the big unpack, we need to stock up on food. I am kind of silly excited just to get to the supermarket. Yes, I am a simple girl at heart. Unfortunately, we are a five-minute stroll to everything. Charcuterie, patisserie, brasserie. Walking up to the corner of the street, it is a hive of activity, even on a winter's afternoon. Chez Victoire is buzzing. I am not ready on a personal note to take on the language nor cafe life, so what we do for our dinner meal will be interesting. After adventures in Genova and the morning's journey from Italia, we need some time to just stroll through the town and take it all in. There are definitely two things on our minds, patisserie and dinner. Both needs will be met, although not without some confusion, humour and willingness to get out of our comfort zones. A quick soiree into the Intermark, where you can pick up a handful of groceries, is a good thing. Cornflakes, another universal item from Kellogg's, latte, milk, espresso coffee, chocolate mousse, strawberries, yoplait, maman, madeleine, biscuits. From the source, even though we can get these at home, I have my eye on everything, I will be back for more. We need to get dinner, so we wander back down Rue Champenay on a great explore. After much meandering and contemplating and musing over euros to Australian dollars, outside restaurants, we end up taking the budget option and stop in a small takeaway for some burgers and kebab-style food. A friendly, chubby French man looks after us, helping us with menu selection, and we sit outside at tables, small tables on a side street. No worry, we enjoy the French menu no matter, and are restored enough to wander back up the main street and stop to ponder the options for French dessert. There is no way we can ignore the possibilities at the patisserie that is still open at 7.30 at night. And we wander into gawk longingly at chocolate and caramel eclair, strawberry tarts, vanilla slice topped with cream and strawberries, and citron tartlets. Rich foolishly declines and walks back to Lee apartment, and we four pick raspberries and cream tarts to savour when we return to our humble abode. We hope he doesn't think we are sharing because there is no way we are parting with a morsel of this deliciousness. It is a good day. We wander back with our box, la dessert, as the night takes over and do double up the stairs just to get the treats on the table. We oui, we, oui. yum. So you may be wondering what brought us to Antibes. Of course the Riviera was always an option, but in truth it was Picasso that put Antibes on the map. There is indeed a little backstory, for this wouldn't be much fun if I didn't share a little detail. Over the years, and this may have already become obvious if you have listened to the podcast for a while, or whatever, 
but art is of great interest to little old me. The funny thing is, not only has my interest in art and life been a gradual work in progress thing, I realise I keep circling back to it, so go with it, I say. About 10 years ago, we, the family, rescued a cat, a blue British cat, and called him Matisse. The perfect cat name, I always said, if I ever had a cat, that he would be called Matisse. In fact, at the RSPCA, he was called Philippe. He did look like a French kind of cat. Many years after the cat became a family member, Maddie and Olivia asked for a dog. I am not from an owning a dog kind of family and didn't know if I really wanted another thing to care for or more directly clean up after. Matisse is the independent, laissez-faire, waltz-in and waltz-out, so not emotional nor needy. A dog would be like the fourth child. Well, Livy and Maddie never gave up, particularly Liv, who indeed is like a dog with a bone and does not stop until she gets what she wants. An interesting trait I have discovered. So lo and behold, on my birthday of all days, we ride our bikes around our village where we live and happen to stop at the shop that sells the pet food, chickens, ducks, tomato plants, and it appears, dogs. There are dogs there that are about eight weeks old and ridiculously gorgeous. We see the girls all pick up the same dog and put him back. Except Grace, actually, because she never liked dogs. Rich and I look at each other and we haven't exactly discussed about buying a dog and it is two days before Christmas, but this is our dog. I always said if we would ever get a dog, we would call him Picasso. As in truth, in the art world back in the day, Picasso and Matisse were friends, but rivals in the art world. Our cat was always going to be the boss. The dog, a small, stupidly adorable Shih Tzu cross Maltese with black and white striped fur, would have to learn his place. Friends, but rivals, yes. So now we have Picasso and Matisse. Perfect. Well, about 10 months or so later, I am scrolling through Instagram late October. And at the time, the New South Wales Art Gallery would post birthday paintings for the artists on the day of their particular birthday. And on the 25th of October, or the day after, I saw the post Pablo Picasso, an artwork and detail about his life. And alarm bells go off for me. I thought, is our dog's birthday the 23rd like mine? However, I wasn't sure, so I went looking into the pet book. And I discovered, indeed... He was born on the 25th of October, the same day as Pablo Picasso. So, how crazy, funny and lovely is that? Well, that was about five or six years ago. Great synchronicity. So you could imagine since having our dog Picasso, I have been very curious about the artist and an interest in him and the women in his life, his partners, his muses, his way of expressing art, Obviously, it is a tricky one, Picasso, because he wasn't the best to his women. He was quite cruel at times. At the same time, artistically, he was a genius, covering many areas, creating from a small child to the very end of his life. Sculpture, etching, ceramics, paint. He graced each area and really at the time was a successful living artist. Over the past few months, I have been slowly reading a book by Picasso's biographer, John Richardson, 
who lived not far away in Provence with his partner at the time, Douglas Cooper, while Picasso was alive. The Sorcerer and the Apprentice is the name. An excellent book if interested in the topic of Provence and the art world back in the day. Anyway, I digress. Picasso indeed put this place on Tibbs on the map for me, as there is a museum that is dedicated to his work, a small walk around from the beautiful fortified wall to the archaeology museum. So Picasso would come to Antibes back in the days uh, to be by the sea, to spend time with his family on holiday, and he used the Chateau Grimaldi, which is now the Picasso Musée, or Musée Picasso, and he used it as a studio to create his art and later in his life left a bunch of paintings to the museum and it would eventually become the uh, museum under his name. I will definitely share more on the Chateau Grimaldi in the next episode as it is a wonderful 14th century landmark built for the Grimaldi family on the edge of the Mediterranean. The Grimaldis, in fact, are an important family that have had a great history in the area from Antibes to Monaco to Genova. So yes, I will dig into that history and legacy for next time. There is much to share about the area in truth and the artistic and literary greats that have made their way to the French Riviera, whether they were captivated by the light, the warmer climate, the blue sky that emanates, It is all there, and I must say, is a fascinating research project. While I am at home living life, living local, and enjoying everything the homeworld offers. Another great book if interested in this world, I have also had my head in recently, is John Baxter's French Riviera and its Artists, Art, Literature, Love and Life on the Côte d'Azur. A worthy book companion if you would like to understand more about the life and times of this area. So for the next few episodes, I will be dipping in and out of that book to enrich my share while I share the tale of the Padova to Paris journey that I started a while ago. So there we are, and I hope you enjoyed my little collection from the journey and a bit of research and a bit of present day life it's all good we're going to get there at some stage aren't we i was nearly going up to sydney about three weeks ago for a little art adventure i was going to enjoy some italian restaurant scene as there is a lively italian presence in australia and i'm quite enjoying getting to know it more and more so there's always something you can do isn't there you can have an adventure in your own backyard so that's what i'm doing i'm enjoying what we have and planning, thinking, cultivating more ideas for future projects. It's always fun being a creative person. You can never stop, basically. There's always another thing to do. It's it's a lot of fun. I will be back for episode 31 on Tibbs, the Musée Picasso, a little more on that part of the journey. We go on to Monaco, Nice, a fun journey in the car uh, that that was a little crazy being on the opposite side of the road not for the faint-hearted and then on to Provence and Paris so that's what we have to look forward to and I will see you then 
Take care. All of the best. Thanks for joining me too. Bye.